Hello and welcome to Evolving Enterprise. We'll talk to businesses here in the city of Johnstown, Cambria County, Pennsylvania, and surrounding areas. In particular, businesses that have been sustainable over multiple generations in this Rust Belt region by expanding their reach to outside territories, whether it be across neighboring counties, the tri-state area, the nation, or across the world. I'm your host, Russ O'Reilly, reporter for the Tribune Democrat. Now, let me introduce you to our guests today and give you some background for their story. Joe Paborski is originally from a part of Johnstown near Franklin Borough, known historically as home to much of Johnstown's steel mill activity. Paborski established JMA Collision Center in 1989. At that time, the town's largest industries in steel and coal were declining. Six years prior, the city had the highest unemployment rate in the country, and Paborski was a young man trying to start a business. He built that business from the ground up, starting with various garages while working other jobs before buying land in South Fork Borough, about 10 miles north of Johnstown. There he built a new facility in 2006. Over the years, he's added two more locations, including one in Johnstown's Kernville neighborhood and provided some jobs that pay six figures. One thing Joe discussed with me after the podcast that I thought was interesting is that one of his hobbies is beekeeping. He said he needed bees to help pollinate his apple trees that had been struggling to produce fruit. And since getting his bees, his trees have been producing plenty of apples. Like those bees in his backyard, Paborski has his own role in contributing to the economic ecosystem of Johnstown and Cambria County through sustaining JMA Collision Center. Joe, what does JMA stand for? Uh, JMA, that was my three kids, Jesse, Melissa, and Amanda. Uh, there was, I, was going, I did Joe's auto body first, but there was at the time there was three of them and I was getting parts from different places, so it didn't work out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's how I named it. Were your kids your motivation for starting the business? Well, I started when I was young. Uh, I bought a car, and I, I tell everybody I wrecked a lot, and I did when I started driving, so I figured I'd better figure out how to fix these things if I'm going to wreck them this much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I went to school for it, and, and uh, I've been doing it ever since. I worked for, like, three big dealerships and three independent shops, and then I started my own. What was that step, taking that step like to go out on your own? Taking the, well, it's, that's hard for anybody to do. You have to be, you have to be ready to fail. I mean, most businesses do fail and you just got to be ready to fail and you got to work hard. I worked, I used to tell people I work half days and they say, oh yeah, that's good. I said, yeah, I work half days. There's 24 hours in a day. I work 12. <laughs> Well, what's what's the most rewarding part of what you do? Oh, just just doing a good job for the customers and and people coming in and saying, "Hey, we hear about your reputation, how good you are, and stuff, and the reviews and everything we get." And, you know, it's just I made such a good business. I'm just proud of it, and it's it's rewarding. Yeah. And you've built that over what, thirty years. Well, I started in 1989. Before that, I did a little bit of work on the side. All well, I always did when I even when I started. I'd fixed cars in my dad's garage in the evening when I was a kid and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I always did a little bit of side work, and that's when I took it up full-time in 89. Uh, what part of town are you from? Uh, Rager's Corner, up um, top of Clapboard Run Road there, um, up above the wheel plant, the way top of the hill there. Okay. The wheel plant? Eh, well, boy, I say the wheel plant, but I'm giving my age here. <laughs> it's been closed for a long time, up above Franklin. Okay. 
Was it part of uh, Bethlehem? Yeah, the wheel plant. It was one, one up the hill out of Franklin there. It was, uh, yeah, part of Bethlehem. They made uh, railroad cars, wheels for real wheels and brake means stuff like that. Yeah, that's a part of Johnson's history that always seems to come up during his podcast is Bethlehem Steel in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. I worked in my dad's garage there in the evening, and I put a little sign out front. All the guys, when they quit Bethlehem Steel, when they got off work, they'd drive by, and some of them stop, and I'd paint their cars and stuff. So. How has your customer base changed over time? I mean, you're talking about a time when um, you were serving workers who had steady income from one employer in the area that provided t- you know, tons of jobs, and that went away eventually, and how did you sustain yourself? Yeah, that that did go away there. That was back, Bethlehem still was declining before I opened my shop, and it was declining to the point where there wasn't a lot of jobs in this area um, fixing cars. It was kind of tough to make a living doing body work pretty easy to make a living doing it now but back then it was kind of hard to do and I uh, I moved out of the area for three years I moved down to uh, the DC area down there Manassas Virginia that area I worked down there for a while but I didn't like it down there it was too busy and stuff so I came back mm-hmm. what uh, what do you like about this area uh, it's, uh, it's just my whole family's here it's where we're from I mean my uh, my great-grandparents um, came over from Poland on a boat, and uh, they settled in this area, and it's just everybody I know is here. I like it. So your first location for JMA was in South Fork? Yeah, on the Simon St. Michael of 219, that was the first one. I, I put it right there. I had little shops before then. JMA did exist in a little garage and then a little bit bigger garage, but that's the first real state-of-the-art pony shop right there. Okay. And why that location? Uh, it was traffic. Uh, I was right off of the Sidman St. Michael exit there. It's, it's traffic flow. I like the spot, and I always, when growing up, I thought, boy, I'd like to put a garage there. That'd be a good place for one, so that's just where I did it. Now, let me back up for a second, because you mentioned how difficult it was to operate a body shop in this area. That's why you went to Washington. Yeah, it's difficult to make a living. I'm Back then, it didn't pay very well. And it was just tough to make a living. I had to go to work, and then I enjoyed it, but I had to come home and work at night every night to make a living to support my family. I had three kids at the time there. So it was a little bit tough. It's a little bit different now. I got I got employees that make six figures now, so it's, it's just way different than it used to be. What changed? The way car, cars are built. Uh, airbags came along. I did have a smaller garage there before I built the one in South Fork. Me and my wife were in there, and we got everything paid off. And I told her, I said, I want to buy a piece of ground, build that shop over there by where the first one is now in the Sidmouth and St. Michael exit there. And my wife asked me, she said, what bumped your head? Why you want to do that? <laughs> and I told her how cars were coming along. There was airbags and stuff at that time, high strength steel, how cars have to be fixed. They're way more technical now than they used to be. Used to be, even when I started the shop the in South Fork there, in the Simmons St. Michael exit there, I told people, I said, you know, if you get a small den or something somewhere, you can pretty much take it anywhere to go fix. But if you have any structural damage or stuff, you better come to a place like us. Cars are so complicated now with safety equipment, sensors. If you take a mirror off the door of your car and start it up, you lose some of your safety stuff. So I tell people now, if you scratch your door and you want to fix, you better come to a bigger shop. So uh, 
have a story about that. If you want to hear my uh, niece, she lives in the Philadelphia area. She recently wrecked her car, and they were going to take it to a small a small shop down there. And she called me up. I said, oh, boy, and hers, it's a newer car she has. I said, don't take it there. He don't have the equipment to fix your car. I said, it, it's literally millions of dollars worth of equipment we own to fix these cars the right way. It's the computers and the way they're built and everything. It's, it's just amazing. So your niece, it, was it your niece you said? Yeah. She brought her car to you and John Stop from Philadelphia? No, no, no. I told her to take it. I told her it was too far for her to bring it up here and it was wrecked too bad. It had feet towed all the way and stuff and she lives down there. I told her just to find a big shop and she asked me about some of the shops down there and um, there was a bigger one there that she mentioned. I said, yeah, take it to that one. They'll have the equipment to fix your car. Well, that's interesting that you're your, I guess, your peer group of body shops. I mean, you know who's in Philadelphia. You know who's in other areas. I, well, I have a little bit of research on the internet. You can you can see if you some cu- couple pictures of shops and their equipment and stuff. You know what you know what they do. You know. Yeah. Uh, so how far is your how broad is the territory that you reach with your services? <laughs> you're it's supposed to run. You're supposed to bring be able to bring work in for 25 miles is what you're supposed to be able to studies and stuff like that i find that people if they have a good body shop within five miles of their shop that's where they're going they're not going to go much further than that and so my shops right now the three that we have are spaced out 10 12 miles apart so interesting i was wondering what your strategy was for your different locations yeah and all the shops i can go from any shop to the other one they're about 10 12 miles None of them, like the first shop, never slowed down a little bit from the second shop. The third shop never took any work away from the other ones. They're just all still as busy as they've always been, and they're they're very busy shops. So can you talk about the locations of all three and why you chose to expand in a certain direction rather than others? Well, like when I was in... When I was in uh, the Simmons St. Michael exit, South Fork, that shop there, Johnstown's all, obviously there's more people within a 10-mile radius of this shop down here in Johnstown. And you drive around to look, and there's so many cars and everything, and there were more body shops down here. Some of them have went away now. But um, it's it's where the where all the people are so that's why i moved down here that's why i moved to this one here and the one up in nanny glow up there north of johnson evansburg that area everybody's been trying to get me to build a shop up in that direction for you well mostly insurance companies because there's a big need up there. there's no really good shops up in that direction up there that that put what we do into repair and so i went up in that direction so where are you going to expand next? I have three spots picked out that I want to spend, but I am getting a little bit older here, and <laughs> employees are a little tough to find at the moment here. Uh, it's a, and employees are are a challenge. I mean, we we pay a lot of money. Well, we have entry level positions that people don't make out much money at, but boy, they get a wealth of training at them if they come in. And um, most of my employees, I have trained more than half of them. I have trained. I think way most of them, way more than half of them I've trained and they stick around. Usually when I hire somebody, especially if you hire somebody older, they have habits and they want to fix a car this way and, oh, we did it this way here. And it's like, no, we do it the right way. We're body men. We, we do a good job here. You're not, no shortcuts on anybody's cars. We do, we do it right. 
and essentially you're restoring cars to their factory settings, right? Yeah, pre, everybody says pre-accident condition is what you're what you're um, restoring to. Everything we do is to get them back to that pre-accident condition. Um, when you wreck your car, uh, if you get in a structure, there's the the OEMs, original equipment manufacturers. They have methods to repair that, and they print them out. We subscribe to programs that tell us the way to fix the car, how they want them repaired once they're in a wreck. Our paint, we use PPG Paints. They're the number one paint company in the United States. That's all I've ever used. I switched once or twice from there to different paint companies, but none of them perform as well as they do. Having said that, our paint rivals factory paint. But you know, nothing's as good as a factory paint. We're we're right there with them, but not you know you can't get better than what they do. How many people do you employ? Um, I think I have twenty eight right at the moment here. So yeah, that's that's that's. I never thought I'd have that many employees either. But at the same time, if I could hire five more body techs tomorrow and hire them, you know, I got our our workload, especially in our Johnstown stores, pretty far out here. We. And people come and we tell them, well, we're scheduling and they want to wait for our work. But most of them, a lot of people had work in the past somewhere else and then they deal with us and they don't want to go anywhere else after that. So how do people find you initially? Is it through their insurance company? A lot of it is insurance relationships. The insurance companies are really familiar with all the body shops and and we have a good re- working relationship with all the companies there. You'll see other body shops say, oh, the insurance company's controlling them or something like that. And it's, it's just not the case. They're, the insurance company has the rules and stuff like that. But if you put yourself in their shoes, you understand all the rules are being is to fix the cars the right way. So you, you mentioned you're getting older. Does that mean you're heading toward re- retirement soon? I can't imagine I'll ever retire, although my boys would like me to, I think, some days. But uh, now I can't imagine ever getting the whole way out of the business. I can't imagine retiring. I'm 61 right now. Even when I have full staff and managers and everything and I don't have to go to work, I still go to work. Just what I like to do. Yeah, after you, what's the plan for keeping the business in the family, or what would the plan be? Yeah, I got um, my two boys, Paul and Andy. Um, one of them, Paul runs the Johnstown shop. Andy runs the Nanny Glow store up there. They'll they'll continue to run it after that. I told them, I said, I'll continue to build body shops. I said, but if I die and you sell them, I'm coming back and haunting you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going like further, uh, maybe north into Blair County next? Or no, I, uh, we went and looked. Actually, looked at a shop here uh, not real long ago. Me and the boys went up. There was one for sale up there, and we went and looked at it. And it's just it's tough to fit what we do into a building that already exists. Like the shop that we went and looked at. I told the boys, I said, well, that's a nice shop. And they, well, they got all the work and it's an okay shop. I said, but if we buy that and somebody builds a shop like we have down the road, we'll be out of business. So, I mean, you need a nice shop. You need the nice modern stuff. And it's hard to remake a building into a body shop. There was that, 
when I went to Nannyville, I spent six months because people buy body shop, buy buildings and make them body shops all the time. And I spent a few months trying to make um, the building that was the DMV up there. I, it was for sale at the time. I tried to make it into a body shop, but you could do it. But to do it the right way, you really have to have what we have. It just, there would be issues with everything we did with the building. So you have to build the building around with a plan of being a body shop. And what we do, we do quite well. What have been your biggest challenges in the business over the years? Just keeping up with, and I don't consider it too much of a challenge. This is the biggest challenge for everybody. They make new cars every year. And every year we have to figure out how to fix them new cars. I mean, it's it's a big learning thing. I don't consider it too much of a challenge because I really enjoy it. I mean, I get in and I learn what they are and what to do, and then I teach all my employees. I mean, it's there's a lot of uh, resources to teach your employees training and stuff like that, and we do use them like iCar and stuff like that. But I don't think there's anything better than me learning it and going going in hands on teaching my employees. I think that's the best way to do it. What advice do you have for people who want to open and sustain a business in Johnstown? Oh, work hard. It's work. There's people, I see a lot of businesses fail because people go in there and they start their business. Oh, we have more business, we're making money. Let's go on vacation. And if you have a business, it's hard work, and that's that's what it is. But in a lot of planning, you got to make sure you're doing. You got to make sure when you open the business, you have it. You know what you're doing. Don't open a business something you have no idea what's going on, and you just got to work hard at it. Going back in time for a moment to talk about your education, you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, when uh, boy, I remember school. I went to Johnstown Votech. It was the greatest school ever. I wish it was still up there. A really hurt the area of that school one to what it is now. It was, when I went there, it was a full-time school, and I did not take auto body at that school. At that time, auto body back then is not what auto body is now. Auto body back then, anybody could do it. Auto body today, you have to be pretty smart to fix car. They're they're very complicated, so, but when I went to, I went to that school, I took, uh, machine shop tool and die is what I took in there. I graduated from there. It was in the 80s. Uh, we were in a bad recession. Uh, I think Jimmy Carter was president at that time there, and it, it just wasn't too good for jobs around. So I went back to school for cars because, like I said, I was wrecking them quite often. <laughs> I figured I'd better learn to fix them. Were you racing them or what was going on? I just, man paying attention to a lot of other things in cars than my drive, and I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. I appreciate the going back in time and you explaining what it was like then. And so I, when, whenever you went back to school for auto body, and what's the technical term for it? Collision repair. Collision repair. Yeah. But then when you, you, how long did that take you to graduate with that and then get a job? It was about a year-long course there. I got out of there and... And they teach us stuff. I mean, like even when I get a um, hire an employee out of school right now, like we hire some out of out of um, the Votech night course, and I guess you can go to Votech up here half a day from school, which is a good thing. But at the same time, you get there and you're there half a day. It takes a couple hours to get there. You're only 
the classes only a couple hours. It was a little different when I went there. One week you'd have regular classes, the next week you'd have shop, and you learned a lot more that way. You're still learning this way, you get a start. But I do know when you come out of school that you got an idea, and I still have a lot of work to do with you to make you make you a good body tech. One of the challenges we have right now, um, maybe if he's listening, he'll save me a trip up there. The the instructor up here at Devote Tech up here, we hired a kid from there not too long ago, and he's working for us, and he says, yeah, the teacher up there said I'd only ever make $40,000 a year at the most doing this field, and the tech that I built paired him up with, pulled out his pay stub and showed him. He says, buddy, I make a hundred grand a year here, you know? So uh, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a good living. It's my, and the thing about it is too, you're not doing the same thing every day. A lot of jobs you're going in there. And like, if you're assembling a part or something, you're doing the same thing every day. You're doing something different every day. You're working on a different car every day. Um, changing panels, pulling frames, doing alignments, stuff like that. You do something different every day. Would you just touch on some of the major developments, you know, in your business over time? Yeah, it's, when I first started, I remember when I very first started that we'd do a lot of acetylene welding. We'd have brazing rods and, uh, and a gas acetylene torch, and we'd weld stuff together with that. And it, welders have progressed since then to right now we have squeeze-type resistant welders that exactly reproduce the factory welds in the cars. So um, the safety systems like Subarus have eyesight in them. A lot of cars have adaptive cruise control, front-facing radar, blind spot monitors, stuff like that. When you're in an accident, all that stuff needs programmed, and we got all the equipment to do that stuff. Um, there's two people in the shop that, that act, there's only two of us that do that. And that's going to get a little bit bigger and I'll have more techs that can do that in the future. That's something that pretty soon probably every car is going to have these crash avoidance systems in them. But right now we probably do, I think we do like 150 cars on collisions a month and the crash avoidance systems, the the programming that we do, we probably do two or three a week. So it's a small percentage right now as it gets to be a bigger percentage of the cars um, that'll expand and I'll have more employees doing that when it, when it comes that time. Going back to something you said about the difference between the perception of pay for a collision repair mechanic and what it actually is. Mm-hmm. My, my technicians, my... Now, like I said, we're starting level, but my technicians, they make a fairly good rate. It's, the thing about the way collision repair is, it's all what's called flat rate pay. Um, the insurance companies and the manufacturers, everybody got together and say you're changing a fender on a, on a, on a 2023 Subaru. They know how long it takes that to put that fender on, take it off, and paint the fender. So they have, a, we have a computer program that gives us them times. So if you get a job and say there's 20 hours to do the job on that car, if, if the technician gets it done in 15 hours, he still gets that 20 hours. If he gets it done in 23 hours, he still gets that 20 hours. So all of my techs always do at least 
what the time is like that, but some of them are really, they're ambitious and, and they're hard workers and some of them make a lot of money. You talked about the changes in your business over time. Can you talk about all the changes that you've seen in Johnstown over time? Oh, it's, it's, when I was a kid, I was telling somebody this today, the first job I went to apply for, well, well, well the first real body shop job I went to apply, apply for was way back in the day at Marhefka Chevrolet. And I walked in the back, back there and the manager was there and I filled out the application and I asked him about the job and everything and told him I'd like to have it. And he said, well, we have 75 people applied for this job today. I said, oh boy. How am I going to get this job? I was just learning. It was my first real body shop job. I jumped in the car, drove to the front of the building, went to the front desk. I said, is Mr. Marhefka here? Can I talk to him? <laughs> and I told him who I was. And I, I went in and um, I told him, I said, boy, you want a body tech back there. And I said, I'd really like to have the job. He said, well, buddy, he said, you're the first one to come talk to me. You got the job. <laughs> so that's that's the first real body shot. That's a great lesson for anybody who's in a job search, you know, take the bull by the horns. Yeah, yeah. So what else have you seen in Johnstown change? Yeah, well, see, nowadays, if I put, I'll run an ad for a month and get one person respond to it, and then most of the time they don't have any knowledge of repairing a car at all. I'm not afraid to hire people and train them how to do this, but it's a big effort. You have to really want to do it. Some of these, you know, I get an application online, and it's like, you know, how much effort does he want to put into getting this job? He filled out something online and sent it to me. Compared to somebody that comes up to me and says, boy, I'd really like to learn body work, you know. And I'll start them out of the starting position. I start a lot of my lead tech up in Nanny Glow up there. Boy, he's really good. I he come in and he wanted to do body work. He actually went to school for it. And I started him out washing cars. I told him, I said, I'll start your washing cars. We'll see if you come to work for about six months and then we'll move you up. And he's my lead tech up there now. So but that's it's just hard to find employees that want to work. It's I I'll tell you another thing that might be a, that's a little bit different than when I was young too. When I was young, everybody everybody had families with two, four, six kids in them. And when I was 21 years old, when I was young, that's what I wanted to do: get married and have a family, and support and raise a family. That part's changed, and people weren't having kids to get into the workforce too. I think so. And then us, all us old people are getting older and wrecking more cars. <laughs> We're forgetting how to drive as we get older again, you know? <laughs> and you've also been in, in your, your Johnstown location on Somerset Street since, what, 2006? Is that right? 2006, you opened up the South Fork location. Yeah, yeah. 06, I started the South Fork location in 2013 down in Somerset Street town here, and the one up in Nanaglo about three years ago, I broke ground for that one. Yeah, so it's almost like, in addition to the distance between them, like the 10 miles, or mm-hmm. it's also the space between your adding locations, it's also about 10 years. Yeah, you can't jump in too heavy into something, you know? Like I said, me and my wife, when I first started with the little shop, and then we built the one in South Fork, and it's hard to start a business. I mean. 
I saved money for forever, bought the piece of ground, paid it off, had to build a bridge there, built a bridge, paid it off. And it's challenging to be able to get financing to do stuff like that. I had to rent into a banker that, that loaned me the money for it, uh, went through that. I think there was an SBA program involved too. And then the equipment, I couldn't afford any equipment, so I leased all the equipment. That was super expensive. I can probably have run two shops. Yeah, like I said, when I started the second shop, the loan, I wrapped them all together. I didn't have the equipment loan anymore and bought all new equipment. My payments were about the same as all the leases and stuff I had to do to get the first shop going. It was a real struggle to start. I really actually didn't do real good. Well, man, I've been blessed. I've been I've always done good. I've always paid my bills and never had no serious issues like that. But uh, real good has started about right after I built uh, the Johnstown shop here, two years after that. After they opened the Hain Street Bridge back up, that helped. <laughs> so you're, the point in time when your business really grew, you're saying, is whenever you, you opened up your Somerset Street location in Johnstown. And uh, the shop really grew since I started it at the South Fork location. Every year it grew a lot, every year. It's just that it was so expensive for me to start that first shop that I, I was hand to mouth the whole time until I got the one in Somerset Street down here. It, it was super tough. I mean, it was, I worked very hard. When I did that back then, I ran a tow business too. And I would, every night they'd call me at two o'clock in the morning to get up and go tow a car somewhere. But but I worked really hard at it then. And I don't get up at two o'clock in the morning anymore to tow cars. But uh, yeah, I, I wasn't really comfortable until the second location because still even with the first location it was expensive all the equipment and everything i still kept all the state-of-the-art equipment and i keep it up today i get i if you come into my shops and look i have the best equipment i can explain it all to you but it's it's a little bit easier to afford it loans are a little easier now i don't have to do leases it's, it's just a little it's more comfortable now to be successful in a business, you have to like what you do. Even in work and life, you when you get up and go to work, you have to enjoy going to work. If you go to work and you're a miserable person at work all day, hey, you need to go find something else to do. You need to be happy because your life's just going to be miserable if you're not. So, like if you go up to my shops up there and, and uh, people have said, boy, you really get along with your employees pretty well. They see me interacting. Like just uh, a couple days ago at the South Fork shop, they see me interacting with some of the employees and they tease me and stuff and we carry on a little bit. They said, man, you really get along with your employees well. I said, we like to come to work. I mean, it's what we like to do. So, and we're good at it. And, but you have to enjoy what you do for a living. Well, it's been great to talk to you, Joe. Thanks for coming in. I have one last question for you and then we'll, then we'll end. What do you want your legacy to be? Oh, I just want I just want my kids to have a better life than me. You know, I want I want the shops I want the shops always to do well. Like I said before, if I die and they sell the businesses, I'm gonna haunt them. <laughs> I just when I was young, it was hard for me to get going. It was hard for me to make a good living, and I I need my kids and I need them to make a good living. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Check out other Tribune Democrat podcasts at tribdem.com or platforms including Spotify.